listen to Mark and Neanderthal when you get to work with the free KSLX app. Sounds good and loud. 100.7 KSLX. Let's talk guitar riffs. There's a guitar riff in that one there. I think it was Billy's, uh, I think Billy actually played that riff, but his guitar player was Jeff Golub. And uh, and and that got to play that riff live, and that was sort of. I, if you say like, if there's one riff that's associated with Billy Squire, it's obviously the drum intro to the Stroke. But that there is a guitar riff, and that's kind of what we're yeah. talking about this weekend. The top thirty-five guitar riffs, classic rock guitar riffs of all time. Ten o'clock tomorrow morning yeah. is when we start counting those down, and I, we'll do it again on Sunday also because it won't take all that long to play thirty-five songs. But you know, talking guitar riffs, we actually found yeah. a clinical. Definition, although, you know, obviously it's not a clinical thing, but if we're trying to be scientific about this, we found something. Yeah, there's a there's a website out there called guitargearfinder.com, and they have a guitar riff FAQ for beginners. So this was published on May 13th of 2020, right around the time uh, that the lockdown started to take hold. And and more people than ever in the past year were, playing have, were picking up guitar, yeah, because we're home and they were like, trying to pick up a hobby or something like that. So uh, the guitar riff is defined as a short repeatable idea used in a song that can be repeated over and over to form the main hook of a song, or it could be played only once in a song. I would disagree with that second part of it, but I know what they're saying. Yeah. Um, okay, so here's an example, and this is kind of a weird one because uh, it's a legendary Rolling Stones song. Right. And they could have started the song with the riff. In fact, they do when they're playing it live. Right. But there's a short intro, then it sort of breaks out into the riff. You'll recognize it. Watch it! the intro but there's the riff I, I cued it right up to the riff. Which, by the way, uh, you know, we, we talk about ACDC copping their own stuff. I don't know. The Stones. Yeah. It's almost the exact same song. When you play them next to each other, yeah, they're very, you they're realize very how similar they yeah, are. Yeah. Very similar. That's satisfaction right there. Yeah, it's almost the same. You know? it's, I mean, it's a different yeah. place on the neck, but it's absolutely a riff. So... Uh, you know, we're going to go down the list of those things. And we'll go over it to, you know, here's one for you. Uh, if I ever wanted to say, okay, what Zeppelin song is absolutely a riff? Yes. That's a riff. That, that to me, that to me is the epitome of a riff. Yep. It's a, it's a guitar pattern that is the foundation of the song. And we talked about this yesterday. If you can sing it, it's probably a riff. <laughs> that's you know right. what I mean? If it's yeah. if it's that's the most notable part. So, But we'll go back and forth, I think, yeah. all morning about this thing to try and find some cool riffs and, and play some of those songs for it. And in fact, pretty much everything ACDC does is a riff. Yeah. You know what you, I mean? And sounded, multiple riffs put together in one song. You sounded a little like Jeff Spicoli from Fast Times at Ridgemont High there. And you're like, we'll find some cool riffs. <laughs> That's all I need. Uh, some cool, cool riffs. riffs. So, it's Friday. Oh, then we should do this, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Mark and Neanderthal's weekend movie pick where, you know... Okay, even if we're not if we're we're not hanging around the house as much as we were, yeah, because the weather has broken and everything. Yeah, yeah. people are still hanging around the house, and we always like to give you something to watch over the weekend. And today, little uh, you know, courtroom legal behind the scenes business drama with 
I think the it's Firm. A, I think it's a uh, a John Grisham novel. I believe. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Tom yeah. Cruise and the Firm, but Tom Cruise is like not nearly the only star in this movie. It's no. crazy how many big names are in there, including the very menacing Gene Hackman. Yes, Gene Hackman, uh, 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 Ed Harris, who is a good guy in this movie, but still sort of because of his demeanor, is still very intimidating. Mm-hmm. Almost everybody in this movie is intimidating. Right. Which is a surprise given whom one of the biggest villains is in the movie. We should probably let you know what it's about, shouldn't we? Yes, and that will show you why it, all these people are so intimidating. Yeah. A hopeful young lawyer joins a prestigious law firm, but soon discovers that most of their clients are on the wrong side of the law. The firm is laundering money for the mob and have even murdered partners who threaten to blow their cover. When the FBI starts investigating the firm, the choice as to which side to join becomes a matter of life and death. Yes, it certainly does. Nice. And uh, I think Tom Cruise's uh, character's name is Mitch. Mitch is is exactly yeah. correct. That yeah. was uh, Guido providing our plot summary. But you mentioned Mitch... And you mentioned earlier, one of the characters in this movie that is really scary. <laughs> yes. Shockingly scary. Surprisingly. Is, he's the head of security for the firm. He is portrayed by Wilford Brimley, who we all know is such a nice guy. Yeah, you would think. The you Quaker know, Oats guy. He's Qu- Grandpa Diabetes. You yeah. don't think to yourself, you think, well, there's a, there's a sweet guy. It's like everybody's grandpa, America's grandpa. I'd even get a reverse mortgage because of him. Yes, but in this movie, <laughs> he's the head of security for the firm, and he sets Mitch up yeah. to have an affair on his wife so he can use that later on as yes, sort of see, blackmail against him. They're worried that Mitch is going to tell the firm's secrets to the FBI, so they get all these pictures of Mitch having an affair, and they threaten, you know, hey, these are the kind of things we don't want to show your wife. It's just the kind of stuff the FBI could use for coercion, Mitch. So you watch yourself. I'll do the best I can to protect you. And I know you'll do your best to protect the firm. So if the FBI so much as spits in your direction... You'll let me know before it hits the ground, won't you? That's a great line. Yeah. You know who, and speaking of scary, Wilford Brimley, you know who his muscle guy is, who his henchman is? No. It's the guy who plays Saw. Again. Tobin Bell. Nothing like being, you know, typecast. Yeah. But so, it's, I think, that, is that the only movie where Wilford Brimley is a bad guy? Although he doesn't come across in that clip as a bad guy. He's just trying to help Mitch. Exactly. Just trying to help him. Yeah, he's like, he's like, how do you think that's going to look, Mitch? And Mitch is like, I, I don't know. He's like, well, it's my job to know how that's going to look like. And it's going to look like this. And, yeah. he, you know, lays it out. And it's very, yep. it's very subtle. Yep. But it's intimidating. Yeah, it's really, really good. So The Firm, if you've never seen it, it's well worth checking out. Unfortunately, it is based in Memphis, Tennessee, which is a place you don't want to visit. Having lived there, I can tell you that. Yeah. But other than that, it's a perfect movie. And listen, there are a few people who play the heavy as well as Gene Hackman. Yep. That's a guy who can really be intimidating. Yep. No, it's, in a movie. And this is one of it was one of those movies that was fairly still fairly early in Tom Cruise's career, so he wasn't quite insufferable. He did seem very likable <laughs> in the movie. So Yep, there you go. The firm. That's the Mark and the Enderpaul weekend movie pick. So it's Mark and Neanderthal. Neanderthal brought in a Carvel ice cream cake. I, th- I told you I was going to do it yesterday. Yeah, I told and you it was happening yesterday. I'm, I'm being very careless with my dental work. I have all sorts of confectionery stuff stuck in it now, and it's fantastic. Well, it'll melt because because <laughs> I because I made sure it was ice cream, and yes. there are there are little chocolate chunks in there. But as your mouth warms up, that Why? will become very gooey. Why would you go for any kind of cake but an ice cream cake? Yeah. So happy birthday to Mark, by the way. Just in case anybody's wondering. 
you know, it's his birthday. It is, it is so. 60, yeah. 60 years old today. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's weird. People say, do you feel 60? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I just, I'm 60, but I, I still feel like I did when I celebrated my birthday 30 years ago. 20, I don't know. What, because everybody always says, like, I, you know, I was trading emails with people. They're like, I still feel young too. What is the age that we all still feel? You know what I mean? Like, oh. how, how you view the world. Like, if you're a camera looking out at the world, I think you still view it very much the same way, whether you're 25 or 65. Uh, you know, the- I guess it comes down to, I guess, when, you, when you've decided what your core beliefs are going to be. Guido, what, when did you decide you, how the world was going to be? Oh, I, I have no idea. So he hasn't decided yet. I, Maybe yeah, not. I, I don't know. I, I, I was going to chime in that I feel old. This this past year, well, 2020 yeah. aged me like... I, I want to say ten years. I think that aged a lot of people. Yeah, because but, it was but, it was a, it was an acknowledgement that the world is uh, you know time is short, everything is limited. You you just started to appreciate yeah. those things that you might have taken for granted. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I still feel like uh, you know the same things that I think were funny back then. I still. But most, when was most that? T- I I think it's around. For me, somewhere between 20 and 25, we're like, I know how to drive a car. Right. I know how to feed myself. Right. I know how to change my clothing. You know, you you learn these skills to get by in the world. And then I think you're like, okay, now I'm going to go out and do it. And you still, you know, kind of operate in the same method. You know what I'm saying? It's like you oh, still yeah. feel the same. No, I, I, think, I think for me, it was somewhere between 30 and 35 is when I said, okay, I'm no longer in my 20s. Um, it's time for me to start thinking about life. In, in a serious manner, because your 20s are sort of frivolous. You're trying to find out who you are as an individual. Then you get into your 30s and you're like, all right, I know who I am. Now, what am I going to do with it? Mm-hmm. And then right around 35, I think, for me, uh, was when I'm like, okay, this is how I see the world. This is how I'm going to see the world. Uh, I've used everything I've, I've been taught as a kid, grown up from my parents, and my own experiences for the past 10 or 15 years. This is who I am. This is, this is the way the world works. Yeah. And I still kind of feel that way at 52. Right. And, like, I don't feel like I'm... Eight years old because right. I, I didn't know how to drive then. You know, I didn't know how to make a living, but I still kind of, you know, my my basic core is the same as when I was twenty eight, as when I'm sixty. And it's interesting because as as we get older, and um, and I don't know that this is a unique thing. I'm fairly certain our parents never said sixty is the new forty. Like society has decided that as you get older, yeah. like for example, this radio station originally they call it what they call the money demo, which is your target audience, was adults between the ages of twenty five and fifty four. Well, we find out now that people thirty five to like seventy are now the people that are 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 the majority of the population, and that are the people that you know. There used to be a time when we were kids, like for example, we mentioned we just mentioned Wilford Brimley. Wilford Brimley was younger than I am now. When he was in Cocoon. I know. And we looked at people. We looked we at thought people, he was so old. Yeah, we looked at yeah. or, or Fish, you know, Abe Vigoda, those guys like there. They were only in their 40s, and we looked at them as like they were grandfathers. Yeah. Another quick quick story here. I was talking to a friend last night. Yeah. He, he met the woman he married at a wedding. They were both guests at a wedding, and he okay. met her there. They're talking out in the lobby of the wedding, you know, really, really getting to know each other and enjoying each other. And she tells him, my dad, you know, and they're like 20 years old at the time. She goes, my dad died recently he was 54 wow and my buddy's initial response or thought process was wow 54 he lived a good long life yeah that's a you know so good for him yeah and now he's like no that's way (laughs) too short because he's already five years six years past that so it's just funny the way your perceptions change but 
your inner core, I think, the way you view things, the things yeah. you think are funny, your initial reactions to things stay the same. Yeah, the only time you, you start to start to feel like, okay, I'm no longer the person I thought I was when I'm 30 is when you wake up and you've hurt yourself sleeping. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, when when you, that's, that's when reality started to hit you in the face. Yes, indeed. A little bit. Time for the Mark and the Interpol dumbass of the day. All right. So 34-year-old Jesse LaForge. LaForge, get in here. Not to be confused with Jordy LaForge, as portrayed by LeVar Burton. And not to be confused with LaForge, the security guard in the movie Mallrats. Nice. Yeah. This is 34-year-old Jesse LaForge of Oakwood, Enfield, England. Oh, Oakwood, Enfield, England. Is he a racist like the royal family? I couldn't say. Okay, then. He was driving last week, and, and hunger took over. Now, Jesse was in nearby Kettering in Northamptonshire. Oh, uh, Northamptonshire. Sure, of course, yes. England. Uh-huh. And spotted a McDonald's, which they, they have them over there. Do they have the McDowell's over there? Uh, McDowell's, possibly. It's okay. not quite the same. All right, then. It was noon. Time to pull in. But that was the problem. Jesse had a ton of trouble pulling into the drive-thru because Jesse had been drinking. Ah, yes. Before he got behind the wheel. Yes, he was also on the wrong side of the road, don't you know? I know it. Right. Uh, Jesse's clumsy work in the drive-thru attracted enough attention for people to call police, who responded. They gave Jesse a, a field, you know, a series of field sobriety tests. He failed the field sobriety tests. What are the odds the cop's name was actually Bobby? <laughs> it's- it's possible. Okay, just wondering. Yep. So to make things worse, Jesse was on the clock while all this was going on. Oh, he was working. Drunk on duty. Yep, and everybody knew it. Everybody knew it. How'd they know? Because the vehicle he was driving was filled with packages and had a logo on the side that starts with the letter A and has a Z in it. Uh-oh. And, and that, that sort smile. of swoop underneath that it. Smile, yeah, that connects yeah. the A and the Z. Yeah, uh-oh. Yeah. Amazon driver Jesse couldn't get through. How how bad do you feel about your, your package's chances of getting there if he can't get through the drive-thru? Well, to be fair, those Amazon vehicles are sort of awkwardly shaped. <laughs> they can be. They're very, very sure. tall. They're and, very tall bands. And drive-thrus are generally a little awkward to get through. Yeah. So uh, Amazon did get somebody there to get the packages and complete the route. Uh, and I'm sure they will assess Jesse's future with the company. I'm sure Mr. Bezos was none too pleased by this. Absolutely not. All righty then. And that is why Jesse LaForge is the Mark and Neanderthal dumbass of the day. Hey everybody, this is James Young from Sticks and I believe that was a beautiful story you just told. Yeah. The Dumbass of the Day is brought to you by Arrowhead Harley Davidson. You can check them out at arrowheadharley.com. One hundred point seven KSLX. Now there is a very thick chord-based guitar riff. Yeah, absolutely. From Skinner, that is a very recognizable from "Give Me Three Steps." And we're talking guitar riffs a little bit this morning, just to warm you up for tomorrow. We're about oh twenty six hours away. Ten o'clock tomorrow morning, we start counting down the top thirty five classic rock guitar riffs of all time, as voted by you at KSLX.com. And this is to help celebrate KSLX's thirty fifth anniversary since nineteen eighty six here in the Valley. Wow, 35 years. Man, if you lived to be 35 years, you'd be old. 
Well, happy you, birthday, Mark. Thank you very much. Yeah, <laughs> I am 60 today, which is insane. But yeah. anyway, let's talk riffs for a minute here. All right. And, and, what do you want to go actually, with? Actually, um, I want to do something. I think you, you, you mentioned this earlier, and I, it fits right in what I was thinking about the Beatles. I think these guys, the Beatles, I think they're going to be great, first of all. Yeah, they, but, they might be. When's the last time they had a hit, though? They haven't done anything in a while. <laughs> it's been like 50 years. Yeah. Uh, but they... They had a lot of riffs that you don't think about, but here's one. Yeah, here you go. That's as good a riff as ever been written. It's really inventive. You know, yep. as, as a guitar player, I could say that it's a really neat little thing that they did there. And that's right there. That's Day Tripper. Instantly recognizable yeah. right there. Yeah. You can't, yeah, I mean, I mean that's, a, that's almost, it's funny because I think of the, the greatest riffs of all time. Uh, I think Johnny B. Good from Chuck Berry is I, certainly the first guitar riff that is noticeable by anything. And then uh, and then I would say Smoke on the Water. But, man, I overlooked Day Tripper. That might be the second greatest guitar riff ever written behind Johnny B. Good. I'll, I'll give you – here's my epitome okay. of what a, guitar, a classic rock guitar riff sounds like. Well, yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's, you know, you know I favor the single note type yes. riffs yes. over the chord-based riffs. Right. And this this carries on through the whole song, pretty much. Yep. It, it's it's literally the foundation of the song. It's it's the definition of a guitar riff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it's one of those guitar riffs. By the way, you know, I mentioned Chuck Berry. This is really funny. Um, you know, we talk about ACDC, and we talk about the Stones, and we talk about the Ramones, and some of these bands who basically write the same song over and over and over. Chuck Berry... You know, based a lot of songs off of, right? You know, that, yeah. that sort of guitar thing. But there is a discernible difference between the two biggest songs that start with. There's Chuck Berry's Roll Over Beethoven and there's Johnny B. Good. And Chuck notices the difference, especially if the band is not playing the right song uh-huh. while they're getting ready to lay it down on tape. Because they rip into it. And then Chuck realizes, hey... You were making roll over Beethoven on the piano that time. Stay away from that. Piano or guitar? On the solo, he was making roll over Beethoven. Stay away from that one. Cool, Johnny B. Good, take three. Like there's a difference. <laughs> like there's a difference between Johnny B. Stay Good and roll over one. Beethoven. Stay away from that one right there. Uh, let's see. A, a couple other quick riffs. Here's one. Uh, little, little Richie Blackmore. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. So we'll go with the Man on the Silver Mountain. Rainbow. Uh, one that's not classic rock, although sometimes classic rock stations, including this one, have played it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's one right there. Um, that's a great guitar riff from Play That Funky Music. Yeah. Uh, one that doesn't get mentioned a lot, but should. Yeah, a little, little Jimmy right there. Voodoo child. And then maybe this one might have been the greatest classic rock riff of the 1970s that most people don't don't pull out when you ask for it. That's, yep. that's as good as it gets there, too. I like shows like this where we can talk about music. Yeah, this is fun. This is kind of why I get into radio to begin with, is because I love music so much. Talking about guitar riffs and things like that, and we'll get to some more of those. Uh, we've got the uh, Zeppelin News Network coming up for you in a little bit. Sure. And thank you again, everybody, for the nice birthday wishes. It's yeah, Mark is uh, Mark is sixty today, and this is a very momentous birthday. So we brought him some ice cream cake. Um, yeah. I'm wondering. Very I mean, tasty. should we sing Happy Birthday to Mark? I mean, I'm not sure that. We have the kind of the kind of budget that we can use the actual happy birthday song, but so we went low budget on it. Mm-hmm. Happy birthday, you're not special. You 
I think it fairly captures the moment. That's a lovely tune. You're welcome. Um, yeah, we do it because we care. Yeah. You know, you asked me yesterday about the song When I'm 64. Yeah, Remember that's we one about of those that? ones. Yeah, because well, you know, there are certain songs that that evoke sort of a, a memory, and you don't think about it. Like when you're a kid, you think, "When I'm 64, you can't I'm, even. I'm conceive. never going to. I'm never going to get there. It's impossible to even conceive of. No, because you know, that album came out when I was six, but I probably didn't know that song till I was maybe eight or nine, and. And you still didn't even have any concept no. when you're eight or nine. You have no idea you what it's like to look back on your life and be old. Can't even imagine and, it. Yeah. Now I'm only four four years away from it. It's just yeah. very strange. Yeah. But uh, as I think as you get older, there are certain songs that get more meaningful to you, such as you know um, songs that sort of make you think. You get introspective, and I'll pass along a few a couple of my favorites here. All right. and these are probably songs that that a lot of people haven't heard. Okay. But I would highly recommend them. For instance. From the album It's Only Rock and Roll, the Rolling Stones have a great song called Time Waits for No One. It goes yeah, into he- an incredible guitar solo. There's a fantastic <laughs> guitar solo in that Not song, necessarily yeah. a riff, but a solo. No, yeah, actually, yeah, I'm not talking about riffs, but uh, another song, too, that I discovered a few years ago uh, by, I guess they're an alternative band. I know three of their songs, and they're all great songs. Okay. Uh, The band is called The Alternate Roots, and there's a great song called Time is a Runaway. And, and and this is one of those songs that made, that made you feel about being old or just sort of, it's just, sort of introspective? Know, it's, it's one of those introspective. You know, they get, they get more meaningful to you. Like, there's, right. there's actually a, a country song called Don't Blink by Kenny Chesney. Okay. Which is, you know, basically saying don't blink because when you turn yep. around, yep. you're like 50 years older. Yeah. Um, but I think the, the best song for this, and, it, it, you know, you should Google the lyrics of this later if you ever get time. But it's from, what was the album? Hold Your Fire. Hold Your Fire. Yeah, yeah the big red cover I, from I love, Rush. I love this song because I love Amy Mann. And I love what Neil Peart did with her voice and putting it together with Getty Lee. This was a big comeback song for Rush, too, because they, they had gone off into, like, a prog rock world for a couple of albums that sort of lost the public consciousness and then came back with this. This was a huge hit for them. Time stands still, yeah. Yep. And then this this chorus is just fantastic. Yeah. It's such That's a great. great song. Lyrically, it's just about, you know, things are moving. You're, you're literally trying to grab time and hold it in place. So you can stop and really enjoy what you're doing and yeah. look around and soak it in and everything. Yeah. And I really, think the, really good song. And I think in the last year that's sort of become a little bit more uh, apparent to everybody is, you know, appreciate what you have because the little things that we didn't really, uh, you know, expect and embrace are the things we miss the most. 
Absolutely. Now, not to get all yeah. deep, not no, deep no, and philosophical, true. but that's it's kind true. of where we are right now. Yeah. No, I'm actually uh, in the process of reading Neil Peart from Rush, one of his books about his his solo motorcycle journey to kind of escape his sorrow from the loss of his wife and daughter within one year. And right. Really interesting stuff, so I've been heavily into Rush now. And that song is just, again, if you're ever feeling introspective, sure. thinking about time passing, that's a good one to Google. Ooh. Was it Al Stewart's Time Passages? Time Passages. KSLX. Who would have thought, like, 50 years after that song, John Fogarty's fashion sense would still be the same? (laughs) All flannel. By the way, what a a great return concert that would be. uh, For those that don't know, uh, all parties involved in Creedence Clearwater Revival have buried the hatchet and are now acting civilly toward each other. At least in a business sense. With regard to the business of the band, which is a first step. Hey, baby steps. They They were strange for 30 years, so... The oh, idea that oh, more than that. Yeah, so yeah. getting back getting back together and sort of doing the business of Credence, wouldn't that be a nice return to live conscious if we can get Credence to get back together? Be awesome. You know, It'd be kind of fun. We're, we're talking about guitar riffs because tomorrow morning we will get into, at 10 o'clock, the top 35 classic rock guitar riffs of all time as voted by you. And... This is from this is over fifty years ago. This is a sick Credence guitar riff here. All right. Oh yeah, filthy. That's like that's like a knife cutting through right there. Yeah, that's really strong stuff. That's up around the bend. Yeah, people people don't understand. Creedence Clearwater Revival has a a, a bit of a punk feel to them uh, in their in their, their swamp boogie music. There's a little bit of punk rock in there because it's so distorted and and sort of unrestrained. The energy in Creedence music is pretty cool. It's uh, it's great stuff. Yeah, to put it to put it mildly. Yeah. Um, all right. How about another? Um, this, I think, is a criminally underrated song. I think it's the, this band's best song. And it's a really good example of what a guitar riff, to me anyway, what a guitar riff sounds like as it carries the song. Yeah, I remember this. In Excess. Yep, that's a, that's a guitar riff right there. Devil Inside. Yeah, is Devil the song. Inside from In Excess. Yeah, that's a, that was a, a phenomenal song. It's funny you mentioned, I love <clears throat> what they call Aussie rock. Um, obviously ACDC, and you know, I'm, I'm sort of more into the hard rock thing. Here's a band out of Australia that has a great guitar riff. This, to me, is the epitome of a guitar riff. There's two riffs going on there. Yeah. They're two separate riffs, but they work together to make a riff. Sounds like it could be a Ted Nugent song. Uh, it's a band called Rose Tattoo, and the song is called Rock and Roll Outlaw, mm-hmm. like 78. Yeah. But they, you know, they have the same feeling as, uh, you know, sort of same feel as uh, as ACDC. You know, big grooves, you know, sort of deal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've gone through most of the day without really mentioning Eddie Van Halen. And yet, you know, there, there are a bunch of riffs you could use with Eddie Van Halen. Here's one that never gets mentioned. The bass yep. little tagging yep. along there. That's a fun stuff. Yeah. The beautiful girls from Van Halen, too. Beautiful girls. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a fun one right there. I yep. mean, we could go on with this thing forever and maybe will um, <laughs> because it's fun to do. Yeah. No, it's uh, Guitar Riffs tomorrow morning, 10 o'clock. That's when we start counting down the top 35. And because that doesn't really take that long, it's just going to take a few hours to count down those songs. We'll do it again for you on Sunday in case you missed some of them. Oh, so. excellent.
So it's time now for the Big Three at 9 o'clock. And because it's Mark's birthday. Happy birthday, you're not special. You're getting older, but not much better. We all want to embrace you. We've decided to not to not do the regular big three at nine o'clock, and we've decided to welcome a big three at nine o'clock. Um, on the phones right now, we have Mark, Rick, and Kevin, who are on the phone. Uh, they are the big three this morning. Oh my God, really? Yes, Mark, Rick, and Kevin. How'd you find them? Uh, I didn't find them. Uh, somebody else found them for us. That would be your your Our wife. Producer. Yeah. Oh, I got you. Your wife oh, found gotcha. your wife found them. So uh, we have Mark, Rick, and Kevin. I believe on line two. All right. Is everybody online, too? Mark is here. No. All right. Hello, Mark. Mark. Yeah. Hi, Mark. Mark Divine, the birthday boy. Hey, what's going on, man? Six. Oh, happy <laughs> birthday, Mark. Thank you very much, sir. I appreciate it. We just we just talked last night. Did well, you, the truth you... be known, Mark and I spoke for an hour and a half last night. Um, I couldn't get a word in edgewise. Talk about a guy with big issues about turning 60. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, I did tell Mark. I said, you know, maybe I'll call you tomorrow too to check in. He goes, yeah, that'd be cool. He had no idea. That, you did uh, say that, yes, indeed. I you- did see that very cryptic, in a very cryptic way. Um, I want to let you know for your birthday, I bought you a hundred shares of hydroxychloroquine, <laughs> uh, which I think you really appreciate. I will uh, inject that immediately. Thank you. <laughs> I'm sure you will. I'm sure you start feeling better immediately too. All right, man. So how's your birthday? How's your birthday going, there, it's, buddy? It's going very well. It's going very, very well. So, uh, this is a surprise. And you did say I'll talk to you tomorrow, probably. And I never thought a thing about that. So, you Mark put is two and two together. No, Mark is a high school buddy of mine, and uh, he's the guy I cut school to go get rush tickets with. Oh yeah, remember I remember that, that story. Yep. yep. That seems to be our claim to fame. Yep. Yeah, Mark, hang on one second. Uh, Guido, do we have our other our other contestants? Uh, we do. Line line one should be one of them, and line two is I'll know immediately other. who's yep. who, so. Yep. All right, here they are. Oh, they're both Hi guys. There. Hey. Okay. Are you guys there? Hey, hey, this is Kevin. Hey, Mark. Can you hear me? Yep. <laughs> and there's Rick in the hey, background. Yep. So if, if I get cut off again, you're not worth a third redial. <laughs> so I'm warning you right now. <laughs> so every, everybody is there then, right? I imagine. Is everybody on the line with us together? Uh, Kevin, yep. here. All right. I, I want each one of you to give me a memory because we do this thing called the big three at nine o'clock. And it's the big it's the three audio clips that are the biggest things that people will be talking about today. So each one of you guys give uh, uh, starting with Mark, uh, give us a memory of Mark that he would be completely embarrassed to about a minute. Uh, well, don't embarrass me. Too yeah, much. no, we're going to embarrass him. <laughs> I, I listen honestly. Uh, Rick and uh, Kevin will definitely embarrass him, but uh, I I do have a, a story. And Mark and I were in tenth grade. I remember asking him, "Who's your best friend, Mark?" And hoping he'd obviously say me. Right. And he thought he said, "Well, you know, if I hadn't grown up with Rick and Kevin, <laughs> lived in the neighborhood with them, and went to elementary school with them, and then slept <laughs> over their houses, and went camping with their families, and played sports together, and got into all kinds of mischief with them." It would definitely be you, Mark. I said, oh, thanks a lot. You're a good man. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> nice. Right. It's a, a pretty diplomatic answer right there. Yeah. Rick, uh, what, what, what would Mark not want us to know about today? 
Uh, how many times we drove around in his Dodge Colt looking for girls, and we always came home with like a six pack at the age of seventeen <laughs> oh, and, no. and no girls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Things yep. haven't changed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and really, driving around looking for girls at age seventeen, not bad. Age twenty-seven. Could be bad. Yeah. Age 37, very bad. Age 60, big Age trouble. Age 60, big trouble. Big yeah. trouble. Uh, Kevin, what about you? <laughs> well, well, uh, we used to play after-school sports all the time. Uh, Rick and I and Mark went to um, uh, elementary school together, and, we, you know, every day after school we'd play uh, sports. And Mark was a big basketball player and uh, had a basketball hoop at his, at his house, and we played there, except when one of the bullies came by, Kevin Englehart, and he'd take somebody's hat off and blow snot into the hat and then force the hat back on. Yeah. And I always remember, Mark, why didn't we form a union of some sort and just kick this guy's ass? Because you knew, um, you knew at some point at you... some point you knew you'd run into him by yourself. Yeah. And that was not going to be good. <laughs> he was he was a wrestler, too, and he was like, he was a maniac. You guys yeah. could have been the Freebirds. Uh, yeah. That would have worked out just fine. Yeah. So what, what else were you going to say? Mark used to keep stats of our basketball games. And yeah. I said, you know, he was, he was always obsessed with rankings and ratings. I should have <laughs> known what his future career would be. Yeah, well, if he doesn't deserve it, who does? <laughs> yep, yep, yep. The other thing I was going to mention is uh, uh, my parents, uh, I'm one of six kids, and, and my parents were exhausted by the time I came. So we had a little shack behind our house. Um, it was like an Uh-oh. old horse stable. And, and my parents didn't want to know anything that was going on. So I'll just leave it that... Mark and I and Ricky had some good times back in the shack. I will not admit to any misdemeanors or felonies. <laughs> was was there an aroma that would occasionally emanate from the shack? Absolutely, oh, yeah. There yeah. was an aroma, and my brother, my brother was um, a pot dealer back in the day. No, and, I, and we didn't have. Oh, 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 hey, hey, oh, hey, family. Oh, oh, oh. Wow. Wow. it's it's legal have, now. It's okay. Have, <laughs> we didn't have we're, cell phones we're back in then. The bar. I got some stories now. Yeah, <laughs> we didn't have cell phones back. And then somebody would call my, my house 30 times in one day because my brother just got some stuff. And my mother would be like, what? why is John getting so many phone calls today? He's so popular. I said, yeah, that's it, Mom. That is, that is absolutely perfect. Um, just to get, give credit where it's due, I mentioned Mark's, uh, you know, the rush thing. Kevin is the guy who hit the home run as a high school player off Frank Viola, oh, who nice. went on to pitch in the World yeah. Series and, and be a World Series MVP, I think. And uh, Rick... What do I pick? Um, let me think. Um, Where to begin? First latchkey kid. First latchkey kid oh, in America. Rick. Rick actually was. Rick had the full run of an actual house for our, our entire senior year because his dad, who had gotten divorced, was now living around the corner with his new wife, and he still had this house. So we had the whole run of that house, and that's where that whole crazy, you know. Betting, playing cards in the ice cold, freezing weather, running then, around the block then, naked, or in your underwear, running around the block yeah. naked in your yeah, in your underwear came. Yeah. So that was at Rick's house. So there's right. his, there's there's a few claim to fames right there. Well, uh, despite you all, know, what I just realized is uh, that's a huge upgrade from the shack. You went from the shack to a house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the shack was an old horse barn. Yeah, this is uh, this might this might have laid the groundwork for Mark's uh, career in real estate too. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Moving on up. What's funny is, you know, on Long, on Long Island, you had a, we actually had fraternities on Long Island. Yeah. And because my dad, nobody was there and I had the house to myself, we would 
have the uh, weekly fraternity parties there. Oh, and sure. I don't know if you've ever seen the money, uh, the easy money movie with the overhead view of Rodney Dangerfield sat <laughs> island backyard. <laughs> but for two hours, that's what my house looked like. Yeah. And then my dad would come to check up on me at like 1130 at night and everybody was gone. And it was just like, what's up, dad? I'm just doing some homework. So Delta uh, House is a real thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I, this, just wanna, I just want to say, yeah. I, I want, let me just add something here. Um, I think that Rick and Kevin are really far more guilty of a lot of mischief, a lot of shenanigans. Nice. And I think Mark is probably more guilty of aiding and abetting. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree with that assessment. Yeah. Mark no. was raised by a good family, and we were abandoned as kids. And so, <laughs> I want to thank you, Mark. I want to thank you for staying loyal, even though you knew it was risky. Yeah, you know, I covered your covered your asses a few times, but you covered mine too. So, uh, gentlemen, I, I think we, we this could go on forever. But uh, I, yeah. you, you know how I feel about you guys. I love you all, and uh, and thank you for checking in. You're joining me, Kevin and Ricky, in April, and Mark. I'm not even sure when is it is it august i'm uh, september okay had you gone to elementary school with me i would have known that <laughs> yeah. i'll be phoning in on my birthday to celebrate our 60th yes yes that'd yes. be the way to go yes. yes sometimes the lines get very busy though so all right yes. all right take happy care birthday, guys mark see you guys all right. love you guys all right. happy birthday all right. see ya. There you go. There goes oh, uh, man. Mark's childhood friends. You're, you're cutting. Okay, you're cutting those lines off. Yeah. That was a nice surprise, gentlemen. You're that welcome. Was very, very nice. Blame, blame your wife. Almost fudged it, but uh, yeah. No, <laughs> I thought we actually had a feature coming up, but that was way better. <laughs> yeah. That was great. No, and the good part about it is the big three at nine is now set up for Monday when you're not here. <laughs> so that's good. I've, I'm already set. My, I, can, right. I can do the show oh myself. Oh, my God. Now. That was a pisser. That was great. Yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it. So there you go. Happy birthday, Mark. There's your big three at nine, such as it is. <laughs> Mark is 60 today, and I'm sure they'll be it texting was, now for the rest of the show. It was three friends, right? There you go. Big three. Good morning. Listen to Mark and the Interpol when you get to work with the free KSLX app. 100.7 KSLX. Season's greetings. Hey Dude Shoes here. Hey Dude Shoes are some of the comfiest, coziest shoes out there. Step into a pair, and it's like your toes have gone home for the holidays. Welcome home, toes. Hey Dude, good to go to. Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better, you really can do it. But nobody is going to do it for you. And nobody has to, because you can do it, if you have the right tools, and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great.